Welcome to Soul of Islam Radio. The time for spiritual awakening and personal evolution is now. Soul of Islam Radio is a leading-edge personal growth and spiritual development podcast available entirely for free throughout the world. Our goal is to support you in your path of personal transformation and spiritual evolution and to supporting an awakening within the global community. The Islamic Renaissance depends upon you and your commitment to the highest and most noble ideals of a spiritually awakened life. Thank you for joining us. This is Ihsan, and this is Season 4, Episode 3. Assalamu alaikum. This is Ihsan. I am a personal growth and spiritual development coach, creator of the Islamic Meditation and Eternal Warrior Way programs, lead activist in the Islamic Renaissance movement, and co-founder of Soul of Islam Radio. In this special episode of Soul of Islam Radio, I interview world-renowned scholar of the faith, Sheikh Faisal Hamid Abdurrazak. Sheikh Faisal is currently based in Toronto, Canada, yet travels the world in the service of the faith. He has decades of extensive training with classical Muslim scholars and institutions, and has devoted his life to the propagation of classical Islam and Islamic spirituality. I had the opportunity to catch up with Sheikh Faisal on his most recent visit to Southern California. He shared with us valuable knowledge and wisdom, particularly about the classical Islamic tradition which is based in a balanced and whole approach to the religion, and without which one falls into the error of extremes. In the following interview, Sheikh Faisal speaks on several extremely relevant topics for the modern Muslim and shares how through a complete and balanced approach to the faith, one can attain the highest state of al-ihsan, or spiritual excellence. Dear and beloved listeners of Soul of Islam Radio, I hope you enjoy this illuminating interview. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Sheikh Faisal. This is an honor and a pleasure to be doing this interview with you for Soul of Islam Radio. We had the pleasure to join you at a few sessions here. And it was extremely beneficial, mashallah, very beautiful experiences celebrating the honor and the love of our messenger, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Thank you for joining us, Shaykh Faisal. Wa alaykum as Sidi Hassan. It's a wonderful uh, opportunity for me to be here uh, with you for this uh, recording today. And I hope uh, the listeners would benefit from what we have to say. And I want also to greet them with the special greetings of Assalamu Alaikum, peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon all of them. It is also the uh, wonderful opportunity for me to be here in the United States on this occasion of Mawlid Nabi in this blessed month of Rabi'il Awwal. I've enjoyed my lecture so far and the hospitality of the audiences in different cities. Uh, and of course, to meet you and to spend some time with you, it has been an honor as well. Alhamdulillah, it's been our honor and our pleasure, Sheikh Faisal. You mentioned Mawlid and Nabi, and this is a thing that may be misunderstood within the Muslim community. Historically, in most Muslim countries, the love of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi is held in the highest regard. And Muslims take time to celebrate his seerah, his life, his mission, his birth throughout the Muslim world. 
What could you tell us about the importance of remembering the Messenger of Allah وسلم, celebrating his life, celebrating his mission, celebrating his teachings, celebrating his birth? How important is this in the life and in the spiritual development of the believer? I think this is extremely important uh, in the life of each and every Muslim for all the believers to celebrate the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because he is central to our existence. He is central to our spirituality. Uh, we, we enter into Islam by the acceptance of two important concepts. One is La ilaha illallah and the second one is Muhammadur Rasulullah. And so there's the requirement of expressing belief in God Almighty, faith in God Almighty. But that is not enough to become a Muslim. We must of necessity accept that the Prophet Muhammad is the Prophet and Messenger of God Almighty. Hence, Muhammadur Rasulullah, the second part of the Shahada. And the Prophet Muhammad, therefore, plays a central role in our life. He is the greatest symbol of Islam in our lives. And we practice Islam through his example. Uh, the way to, to implement, uh, to manifest La ilaha illallah in our lives is through Muhammad Rasulullah. Uh, it is as a result of following Muhammad, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that we can express this belief in God Almighty, and this is the Sunnah of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Quran. Allah, for example, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala commands uh, the believers to or people to believe in Him, uh, to believe in God Almighty. But wherever in the Quran. God Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to believe in him. He also tells us to believe in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. God Almighty in the Quran in many places commands us to obey him. But wherever in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty commands us to obey him, he also commands us to obey the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, he commands us to, to love him. Uh, but the way to express our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to love and follow the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran with respect to how the believers must relate to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Therefore, he is central to the very existence of the believers. In fact, there is no good action that we can do in our lives except through the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. For example, if if we want to pray to God Almighty to perform our ritual prayers, we can only do that in the way established by the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam by following the example of the Prophet Muhammad. Peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon him. Uh, so to answer your question, the, uh, the, the role of the Prophet Muhammad in the life of the believer is central to the very existence of each and every believer. You also mentioned earlier about this uh, maybe confusion about the, the celebration of Mawlid al-Nabi. Uh, there are some Muslims who are, are confused about this. 
and and it is true unfortunately uh, in in the muslim community today there are some elements that oppose the celebration of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam but i think this is based on ignorance for example they may not understand fully what muslims do when they celebrate the prophet muhammad when they celebrate the maulidun nabi uh, the coming of the Prophet, the birth of the Prophet. So what we do when we gather together uh, for these uh, majalis or for these gatherings and functions is that we recite the Quran. This is always an integral part of the this event of Mawlid al-Nabi. We recite the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his life history. Uh, we we talk about his sunnah, his teachings, his example, his practice, and what he uh, has asked us to do. So it is an occasion to remind Muslims and to educate people about the lifestyle of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is what is done uh, at the Maulid al-Nabi or Milad al-Nabi gatherings. Uh, there is also the tradition of reciting poetry in praise of the Prophet in honor of the Prophet in memory of the Prophet and these poetry what are called qasaids uh, are an expression of this love for the Prophet Muhammad and in doing so it teaches us about his about the, the, the beloved Prophet about his lifestyle about his his example uh, and, and so Muslims for these 14 centuries have been reciting poetry which, which offers uh, this expression or it's an avenue to express love for the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Uh, and, and this is why I say the people who are opposing Mawlid al-Nabi may not understand uh, what we really do at Mawlid al-Nabi. And if, if the, because there are some people who uh, say that the wrong actions or wrong things that go on in, in a Mawlid gathering, if, if anything that's against Islam takes place in any Mawlid gathering, we ourselves are against that. And we would correct people. Uh, we, would, we would try to get them not to commit any wrong actions, any un-Islamic actions at a Mawlid. But uh, we certainly do not agree with those who would say, condemn the Mawlid, do not practice the Mawlid because of a particular wrong action. We, we purify those practices, uh, remove them from the Mawlid gathering and only do what is according to Quran and Sunnah. We are committed to observing and following Quran and Sunnah in all aspects of our lives, in, in all facets of, of our practice of Islam, including the Mawlid and Nabi celebration or the celebration of the birth of the Prophet I, I must also point out to my dear listeners that uh, some people may uh, may say that the Mawlid and Nabi is wrong because the Prophet ﷺ did not do it. Uh, I I just want to uh, to point out this principle of usul or usul al fiqh. Uh, 
which says tarkushay laysa dalila ala tahrimihi the omission of an action is not evidence for its prohibition uh, we cannot say that the Prophet ﷺ did not do something, therefore it's wrong. We cannot say that the Sahabas did not do something, therefore it's wrong. They, it, they, they omitted an action, therefore that action becomes wrong. This is not how laws are deduced in Islam. Because another principle of usul tells us Asl Shay al Ibaha, the original ruling, the original hukum in any action is that that action is mubah, it's permissible, except if there's dalil, if there's evidence in Quran and Sunnah to decide otherwise, to say that it is not mubah, uh, it's haram. Uh, it's forbidden, it's makru, and so on. Other rules would apply based on the evidences. But the original starting point, the default ruling in any action is that it is permissible. It is mubah. So uh, this is a point that we need to be mindful of. That this celebration of the Prophet wasallam. Uh, is a permissible action and great scholars of Islam, some of the greatest scholars of Islam in each century over the past 14 centuries, in each era, they have declared the, the celebration of Mawlid and Nabi to be a permissible act. And, and so we do it today not because of blind following of anyone, but, but because of the evidences that are there. There are many verses in the Quran that, points out to this permissibility. Uh, in, in Surah Yunus, for example, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals, قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُوا هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ Say to the believers, O Muhammad, because of the bounties from Allah, because of the mercies from Allah that He has bestowed upon you, upon you then express joy and happiness. فَلْيَفْرَحُوا Right. Now, the, the scholars have mentioned about the bounties or ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about the mercies from Allah. And, and it is normal and reasonable in the life of not only a believer, but anyone, that if they are blessed with good things in their life, they, they become happy. This is human nature. If we want something in life and we receive that, uh, that thing in our lives, uh, we are happy uh, at, at, at blessings and bounties that come to us. But also, the scholars have agreed that al-ni'matul kubra, the greatest bounty in our life, is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is, this is important for us to understand. And, and so, if we can celebrate and show happiness, فَلْيَفْرَحُ at the small bounties in our life, what about the greatest bounty we can receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that bounty is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Should we not celebrate him? Should we not be happy? And in a similar manner, God Almighty in the same ayah says, Qul bifadlillahi wa rahmatihi And the mercies that we receive in our life. Be happy for that. And we receive mercies in our life every day from God Almighty. But the greatest mercy we can receive in our life is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is no doubt about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself re reveals in the Quran, in Surah Al-Anbiya, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ And we have not 
sent you except as a mercy to the entire world, to the entire universe, to all of creation. This is the purpose for the Prophet ﷺ coming to us uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if we can be happy at the small mercies we receive in our life every day, what about the greatest mercy we can receive from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the Prophet ﷺ? Should we not be happy? This is a clear indication for us to gather together to celebrate the Prophet ﷺ, to learn more about him. And, and there are many great benefits of, of the Mawlid uh, that we can share with our listeners. Uh, but suffice to say that these are a few. I just want to add one quick example from the same point of mercy. The Prophet ﷺ mentions in the hadith, Ya ayuhanas, innama ana rahmatun muhdatun. O people, I am the gift of mercy from God Almighty to you. He describes himself as the gift of mercy. In this beautiful hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, he is the gift of mercy from God Almighty to us. So, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, because of the mercies we receive in our life, then show this happiness and joy. فَلْيَفْرَهُ MashaAllah, subhanAllah. It seems, Sheikh Faisal, that one of the great errors or challenges that we face in the modern day is this disconnect from classical and traditional Islamic scholarship. Could you speak a little bit about the importance of having a traceable lineage based in a classical and traditional line of scholars that goes back to the Prophet of Allah in order to practice one's religion with excellence and with sincerity? in a way that will lead us, inshallah, to Ihsan, the Maqam al-Ihsan, the goal of Islam. Bismillah. I, I want to start off by sharing uh, with our listeners the saying of the great Imam of his time, Imam Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Imam ibn Mubarak would teach his students is this famous saying, Lawla al-Isnad, laqala, Man sha'a ma sha'a. If it wasn't for Isnad, and I'll explain what Isnad is momentarily. If it wasn't for Isnad, whoever wanted to say anything would have said what they wanted to say. If it wasn't for Isnad. And this is the disease of our time now. Whoever wants to say anything just says it without regard to consequences and so on. The traditional way of Islam is a system of Isnad and Ijazah, which is a person would not teach Islam unless they are qualified uh, to teach Islam. And they become qualified to teach Islam by studying under a sheikh who himself is qualified to teach others. And they would then get permission from that sheikh to teach people what they've learned. This is a system of Isnad that's handed down. And so it started with the Prophet ﷺ. He taught the Sahabas. They listened to him and they followed him. And no one from among the Sahabas would teach something that they did not hear from the Prophet ﷺ and claim that this is Islam. Whatever they would convey to people, whatever they would practice in their lives, it was based on what the Prophet ﷺ taught them. 
And then the Sahabas now would teach the next generation, the Tabi'een, what they had learned from the Prophet And the Tabi'een would practice their Islam based on what they were taught by the Sahabas. And the, the Tabi'een would then teach Islam based on what they learned from the Sahabas who learned from the Prophet And so it continued with each succeeding generation. This is a system of Isnad and Ijazah. And so, for example, Imam Bukhari, in his Sahih collection of hadith, uh, puts together, gathers together these hadith. And each hadith that he, he has in his book, in his collection, Al-Jami' al-Sahih, it has the Isnad, the chain of narration there. He heard it from someone who heard it from someone, who heard it from another person, who heard it from a sahaba, who heard it from the Prophet There is a, that chain of narration which is there. He does not give his opinion and say that this is a hadith of the Prophet The scholars of the past would never do things like this. It was based on a system of transmission. This is traditional Islam, or this is what is referred to as traditional, traditional Islam. It is not, as some uh, misguided people have said, it is not the, the habits and customs of Muslims. People have actually said so, that traditional Islam is misguided because it is the habits and customs and practices of people of our foreparents, and therefore we should not follow them because they were misguided. No, traditional Islam means to follow a tradition that goes back in spiritual lineage to the Prophet Muhammad And this is what the Imams have handed down. There is the famous hadith, Jibreel it is called, one of the five foundational hadith of the deen, which teaches us the methodology of this tradition, or what we refer to as traditional Islam. Uh, in this hadith, the angel Jibreel came to the Prophet when he was with a group of companions, including Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab. And Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab uh, related this hadith of what he observed. And the angel Jibreel came as a strange man uh, and he started asking the Prophet Muhammad some questions and the Prophet answered those questions. And at the end of the hadith, the Prophet asked Sayyidina Umar, uh, do you know who this person is? Uh, and then the Prophet told them uh, it is it is the angel Jibreel that came uh, to teach them their religion. So this is why this hadith is so very important. And in this hadith, the angel Jibreel asks the Prophet several questions. Uh, firstly, akhbirni anil Islam, tell me what is Islam. Then tell me what is Iman. Then tell me what is Ihsan. And tell me when is the hour of judgment. And then tell me what are the signs of the hour of judgment. Those are the five questions that were asked. And the Prophet answered each of these questions. And remember, at the end of the hadith, he says, this is the angel Jibreel. He came to you to teach you religion. So it, it was almost like a question and answer demonstration so people would learn what is the truth. And uh, the, 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 at the level of Islam, the Prophet mentioned the outward actions we have to practice, the pillars of Islam. And this, this is dealt with in the Islamic science of fiqh. 
then at the second level, uh, the, the second question was Iman. What is faith? And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the Arkanul Iman, the six pillars of belief and faith and Aqidah. Establishing the basis for the next important Islamic science of Aqidah or Islamic belief and Islamic creed. And then the third question was about Ihsan uh, or about Tasawwuf, uh, purification and so on. And the Prophet uh, responded uh, answering that question by saying, And ta'bud Allah ka anakatarahu fa in lam takuntarahu fa innahu yaraka to worship Allah, to submit to Allah as if you can see him and if you cannot see him, then you must know that he sees you. So here, uh, the, at the first level of Islam, the outward actions, uh, fiqh, or Islamic jurisprudence is the science that deals with that. And they establish methodology is that we have four Sunni madhab that we follow. The Hanafi madhab, the uh, Maliki madhab, the Shafi madhab, the Hanbali madhab. And so if anyone wants to follow the way of traditional Islam in matters of fiqh, they must follow one of these four madhab. This, and this, this is what has established cohesiveness in our ummah. Uh, establishing a uniform system that helps people uh, to know what they should practice in matters of fiqh or jurisprudence. And in a similar way now, uh, and in fact, in, in, in the past, uh, Muslims in past centuries, Muslims have followed one of these four madhab, which gave them this uniformity in their actions, this cohesiveness uh, in their relationship, and so on. The, then, uh, at the second level of Iman, the, 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 the angel Jibreel asked the Prophet Iman, tell me what is Iman. Uh, and then the Prophet mentioned the Arkanun Iman, the pillars of faith in Islam, establishing the basis for Aqidah, uh, the belief system, the creed of Islam. What do we believe in? Aqidah is really an explanation of the details of the pillars of Islam. Uh, when we say, Amantu billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wa yawmil akhirihi wa qadri khayrihi wa sharrihi wa ba'di ba'd al-maut, the pillars of faith in Islam. Aqeed is an explanation of this. We believe in Allah. Then what are the details of our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on with the other articles of faith. And uh, the traditional system established, established for Aqeedah is to follow the two Imams of Aqeedah. Imam Abu Hassan al-Ashari, Imam Abu Mansur al-Maturidi. And, and this is what Sunni Muslims have followed uh, for these centuries now. This is the, the, the manifestation, the expression of Sunni Aqeedah. So traditional Islam establishes this well-defined system which has served the Ummah well. And this is a unique system we have in the Muslim Ummah. No other Ummah has a system like this, the Madhab system of Fiqh, the, 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 the Madhab of Aqidah of the two Imams and so on. It establishes this uniformity in what we do and how we practice our religion. And at the third level of Ihsan, this is Tasawwuf, and this is the spirituality of Islam. Uh, and this is codified by Imam Abdul Qasim al-Junaid al-Baghdadi. Uh, and so we follow uh, the way of tasawwuf, which 
adheres to, which follows Quran and Sunnah. Uh, and and uh, our uh, spirituality is based on Quran and Sunnah. It's based on the teachings and the practice of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's based on the practice and teachings of the the Khulafa, the the rightly guided Khalifas of this Ummah. It's it's based on the practices of the Sahabas of the Tabi'een and and the Awliya of the Ummah. This is what Tasawwuf is all about: following the the ways of the great men and women of Allah subhanahu wa taala. And this is the way to be on the Sirat al-Mustaqim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, defines for us the Sirat al-Mustaqim. First of all, this is the dua of the believers in Surah al-Fatiha that we recite at least 17 times every day in 17 rakah, the Fard Salah. Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqim. Guide us on the straight path. The dua of the believer. But then... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what is this straight path. It's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defined this straight path. You would think that this straight path that we should be on would be you, you pray five times a day, you fast in the month of Ramadan, you give your zakat once a year, you go for hajj when you can afford it, things like this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not mention any of that when he talks about a straight path. So the, the dua of the believer, we, we want to be guided on the straight path. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what the straight path is. Surat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim. Ghayril magdubi alayhim That's the definition of the straight path. It is the path of those whom Allah has favored and guided to be great believers, follow them. There's an amazing wisdom in this. There's an amazing wisdom in this. Follow the men and women of Allah. These, this is the Prophet ﷺ, the Ahlul Bayt, the Sahabas, and the Awliya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this elsewhere in the Quran. Who are these men and women of Allah? This is the straight path. The Sirat al-Mustaqim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say Salah, Siyam, Zakat, Hajj and, and the rituals. It is to follow the people. This is the Sunnah of Allah in defining for us the way, the true way that, that my listeners need to understand so that they can commit themselves to this way. The Sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when he wanted to tell the people of Mecca in the early days of Islam to believe in Allah, he did not call them to believing in Allah, tell them you, you have to believe in Allah, stop worshipping idols. No, he called them to himself. He invited them to uh, come to the mountain at Safa, the people of Mecca. And he asked them, if I were to tell you that there's an army behind this mountain coming to attack you. Would you believe me? They said, yes, we believe you. Because they already knew he was a sadiq al-ameen, the truthful, the trustworthy one. Right? He's calling them to himself. This is who I am. Do you believe me? They said, yes. And then he says, I'm telling you now that I'm sent by God Almighty. Believe in God Almighty. This is the Sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this Quran. 
And this is the central role of the Prophet And the central role of the great men and women of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has raised up for us to be examples for us in each generation. And all of them are following the Prophet Muhammad Where is the Ahlul Bayt and the Sahabas of that first generation. And then the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in each century that were sent to be examples for us. So this is the way of tasawwuf now. And that's third level of ihsan. That we followed way of tasawwuf, we're following great men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, men and women of Allah. All of whom were impeccable in their practice of Islam, in following the Prophet No one ever raised a finger pointing at them, accusing them of not following the Prophet Imam Hassan al-Basri, this great Sufi of the Tabi generation, following the Prophet and we follow him. Sheikh Sayyidi Sheikh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, radiallahu anhu, this great Imam of his time, this great Sufi, we follow him, right? Because he followed the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He's this inspiration for us. Imam Abu Hassan al-Shadili, Imam Naqshaband, Imam Suharwardi, Imam Khwaja Muhyiddin Chishti, and so on. The great men of Allah, Sayyidah Rabi'ah, Al-Adawiyah, great men and women of Allah, they lived Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided them, raised them up to be examples for us. We follow them. That is how we stay in the Sirat al-Mustaqim. And they, in their practice, they would teach us to observe the required rituals. No believer can be a believer except that they accept to pray five times a day. No believer can be a believer except that they accept a fast in the month of Ramadan. No believer can be a believer except that they give their zakat. No believer can be a believer except that they agree to go for hajj when they can afford it. This is what we do. We do not go against the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ. By following the men and women of Allah, this is the best way to follow the Prophet ﷺ. So for those people who say, don't follow the madhab, follow Quran and Sunnah, we tell them that the best way to follow Quran and Sunnah in matters of fiqh is to follow Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. That's the best way to follow Quran and Sunnah in our lives because these were the Imams that actualize Quran and Sunnah in our lives. Imam Abu Hanifa did not want to spread his own religion. No, he dedicated his life so people can follow the Prophet this is something that uh, our uh, listeners need to understand so, so that they can uh, be reinforced with traditional Islam, the Islam of the Prophet the Islam of the Sahabas. The non-Sunni groups uh, can only cause chaos and confusion in the ranks of the Ummah. Look at, what, look at the state of the Muslim world today. Look at the, the confusion, the chaos in many places. Look at the suicide bombings in so many places. Look at the acts of extremism and terrorism in many places. And you ask yourself, who are committing these actions? Which are the groups that are committing these actions? And you can name them because they've named themselves. They've taken responsibility for these actions. Right? And it's, the root is one root. The root of all these extremism come from one place. And it's not from Sunni Islam. It's not from Sufi Islam. It's not from traditional Islam. It's from the group that has moved away 
from Sunni Islam, from Sufi Islam. And I must add, in concluding my answer to, to, to your question, is that you cannot be a Sunni if you're not a Sufi. So for those people who are attacking Sufism and then still claim to be Sunni, it's a false claim. A Sunni is a Sufi, a Sufi is a Sunni. This is the way of traditional Islam. You referenced the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam in which the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said himself that this is Jibreel alayhi salam who came to teach you your religion. In the modern Muslim community, it's not uncommon to have a certain amount of emphasis upon the forms of Islam. We all know that the, the five pillars, for example, are required. Everybody knows that. But it seems like it's not well enough understood that there is another dimension to Islam, this internal inner dimension, this element of tazkiyah, that is at least just as important. Yet most people don't seem to understand the necessity of this. What happens to a person's, a believer, a Muslim's religion if he is observing just the forms yet neglecting this element of spirituality, this tazkiyah, the element of tasawwuf, the path that leads one to real iman and to ihsan. Bismillah. The two must go hand in hand. Uh, one cannot survive without the other. There is an outward form and there is an inner state. The outward form is what we do and then uh, fiqh would deal with uh, the requirements of that outward form. It would, uh, the, the laws of, or rules of jurisprudence or fiqh uh, would tell you how to pray, the rules of prayer that you do. But you need tasawwuf to tell you how to achieve khushur in your prayer, how to have that, the, the, the true state, the inner state of your prayer. Fiqh does not do that. Fiqh does tell you the rules of the prayer, how to perform the prayer. But how to achieve this humility in the prayer, this what is called taslim al-jawarih, the submission of the limbs, and the khushul qalb, and the submission and, and humility of the heart in the prayer. How do you achieve that? It is through tasawwuf that we would do that. And so the two things must go hand in hand. Uh, this is what, uh, as you, you, you mentioned, uh, many people miss out on. They feel that, uh, that one can survive without the other. Uh, and both uh, responses are wrong uh, because the two things must come together. We perform our prayer in the correct, correct format of Qiyam, Ruku, Sajda, Jalsa, and so on. And the things we say in the prayer, following the rules of fiqh. This is one level. This is the starting point of the prayer. But we elevate the quality of our prayer to another level, to a higher level, because of the spiritual state we perform that prayer in. And this can only be achieved through this inner purification, this spiritual purification. And just as how you have a faqih, a, a, a scholar of fiqh, to tell you the rules of fiqh, you need a sheikh of tasawwuf to train you in this inner purification. And many people fail to realize this point. One, one of the common mistakes is that some people think they can do this themselves. 
you know this is this is similar to someone saying that uh, they have a, a heart problem and they want to do this heart surgery on themselves even a heart surgeon would not do that he would get one of his colleagues to do it to perform that heart operation on himself uh, he wouldn't do it himself get someone to do it and similarly uh, no one should think that they can purify themselves we need a master of the path to, pure, to lead us along that way of purification. This is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. This is what he did with the Sahabas. And this is what the Sahabas did with the Tabi'een. And what the Tabi'een did with the following generation, coming in succeeding generations up to our time. This is the way of Islam. So uh, the, the, the performance of our rituals must be done with both uh, components. The outward component and the inner component, the outward observance of the format uh, of that ritual and the inner spiritual state one must achieve when they perform that ritual. Uh, and th this is once again the way of uh, traditional Islam. There are now over a billion Muslims in the world. And as you've pointed out, different interpretations throughout the Muslim Ummah. And everyone seems to believe in perhaps different methods of how best to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how best to represent the Messenger of Allah. Some cling to just the forms and then there are others who do additional practices. But one of the things that you've mentioned as being perhaps the most important is to become an ambassador of mercy, a human being of rahmah. Could you speak on this and how this is at the essence of the Islamic spiritual path, this cultivation of the quality of mercy and compassion? This has been the focus of uh, this particular lecture tour here in the United States. Uh, and especially so in this month of Rabi'il Awwal, um, I focus on being men and women of mercy. I feel this is the critical calling of our times, that Muslims must be ambassadors of mercy uh, to implement this mercy in our own lives personally, at a personal level, and then to spread it to others. Uh, and I feel that we should all actively uh, strive to do this. Now, the, the mercy that we must teach and practice and communicate with others comes from the Prophet This is the first concept we need to understand about this being an ambassador of mercy. It must be based on prophetic mercy because the source of mercy for in our lives is the Prophet Allah is this most merciful creator and he has made the Prophet Muhammad the distributor of his mercy. The Prophet is Al-Qasim, the distributor of mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all the creation of Allah. And therefore, for us to live this mercy, we must follow the example of the Prophet This is how we need to be mindful about uh, this implementation of mercy in our lives. It has to be done in a way which conforms to the Prophet because if not, you'll have different people exercising their own opinions and coming up with different way to do things. As you mentioned, so many different factions uh, in this one billion or two billion Muslims uh, in the world today. Uh, 
secondly, the the way to be or to become an ambassador of mercy is to commit ourselves to the methodology of Islam I outlined earlier in my previous answers, uh, the, the system of Islam, Iman, Ihsan. This is the way for us to inculcate mercy in our lives. If we do not follow the system of Islam, Iman, and Ihsan in our lives, uh, we would then become uh, similar to uh, to people who are committing so many wrong actions in the world today in the name of Islam. And this is important, in the name of Islam. They do this. They claim to be acting in the name of Islam. They claim to be the ambassadors of Islam. They claim to have the truth about Islam. This is why they do what they do. Uh, but the litmus test to measure uh, this claim is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu This is it. This, because you ask yourself a question, who is the, the best person that ever practiced Islam? It is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu There's no one that practiced Islam better than him. And he described himself in that way also. He talks about taqwa. He says, I'm the one that has greatest taqwa of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala among all of you. I'm the greatest believer among all of you. This is a prophet uh, uh, describing himself. And then in, in these narrations, he, he, would, he would also add at the end, Wala fakhar, And there is no boasting in me saying this because it's the way for him to teach us. To teach us that if we want to have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way to do that is to follow the Prophet If we want to become a better believer, then the way to do that is to follow the Prophet and so on. So the, the standard, the perfect standard for us to follow is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this answers many questions too. Because you ask yourself uh, this beautiful question, what would the Prophet Muhammad do sallallahu alayhi wasallam? When we want to find out how to behave, how to respond in different situations, and we're not sure what we should do, we ask ourselves that question, what would the Prophet Muhammad do in this situation? And we follow in his footsteps. The third level that I want to point out is, and you, you, you address a question to this specific point, about spirituality. Uh, we can only become ambassadors of mercy if we have a specific inner spiritual state. And that is mahabba. Mahabba. That is the root of it. You must, and mahabba meaning love for the Prophet ﷺ. This is the gateway to every other facet of love. The love of the Prophet Muhammad We must have this love in our hearts. And when we have this love in our hearts, it would help us to love humanity. And we can only be ambassadors of mercy if we love humanity. We must love people to be merciful to them. If we don't love people, we cannot be merciful. And we cannot sustain that mercy. Maybe we can displace a mercy from on occasions 
But to sustain mercy in our treatment of people, we must love them. And that can only come through the Mahab of the Prophet because he loved people. He is, he is the greatest lover of humanity, the Prophet Muhammad the greatest lover of humanity. And this is why he could treat everyone with mercy, with love, with kindness, with care, with concern. I mean, he treated his followers, the Muslims, with great love and mercy. And that's, that's reasonable, that, that, that's understa understandable, because they're his followers, they follow him, they love him, so he loves them. But what is more difficult to understand is that he would also be merciful to people who did not believe in him, who were not Muslims. He were merciful to them as well. And what is even more difficult to understand and raises his status to the greatest of levels is that he was even merciful to his enemies, people who opposed him. You know, where the normal human response is that we would seek revenge from people who oppose us, uh, but not so the Prophet Muhammad Even people who treated him bad, who opposed him, who were his enemies, he still was a source of mercy for them. The, the trip to Taif that he made is a great expression of this mercy of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. After the, the the people rejected him, stoned him, treated him so badly, and he he had this divine offer to destroy them, he did not. When the angels came to him to destroy destroy the city of Taif, he, he told the angels, "No, perhaps from their loins, from their progeny, will come those who will believe in Allah." This is the great mercy of the Prophet sallallahu When he conquered Mecca. In the greatest of conquests ever witnessed by humanity, that bloodless conquest of Mecca. And there were people there who fought against him, who killed his companions, who killed many of his followers, who tortured many of them. They were in Mecca when Mecca was conquered. And he was in a position of strength to do whatever he wanted to do with them. But he is this prophet of mercy. Nabi Rahma, the prophet of mercy. He did not punish them. He did not kill them. He did not imprison them. He did not torture them. Even though he could do it then, he was strong enough. He had conquered them. He had a huge army. They surrendered to him, the people of Mecca. He could do all of that. He did not. He says, You are free to go. You, there are no blemishes on you, no blame on you. This is the Prophet this is a prophet of mercy. And so we must be men and women of rahmah, of mercy. This is a great calling of our times. And I want to tell all the viewers this. I want to invite all uh, the listeners to become men and women, become ambassadors of mercy, of rahmah, to follow the prophetic way, to follow the way of the prophet of mercy, Nabi Rahm, the prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in whatever they do. And this is a way for us to, to live Islam and promote Islam and portray Islam to everyone in society, to fellow Muslims and more importantly, to our non-Muslim uh, brothers and sisters and friends in society. So in effect, Sheikh Faisal, what you are saying is that to grow and to develop as a Muslim is to grow and develop in one's capacity for compassion, for mercy. There's a direct correlation 
definitely you become a better Muslim by being more compassionate. You become a better Muslim by being more merciful. This is the very essence of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith I quoted earlier, Ya ayyuhannas innama ana rahmatun muhdatun. O people, I am the gift of mercy from God Almighty to you. He was sent as a mercy to the entire universe. Wa ma arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil alamin. Uh, we have not sent you, O Muhammad, except as a, as a mercy to all of creation, to the entire universe. So this is the role of the Prophet Muhammad And as a Muslim, we must strive to live the example of the Prophet Muhammad in our lives. And therefore, the more we do that, the better we become as a Muslim. And the more that the Prophet Muhammad will love us for so doing, and the more that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty, will love us for following in these footsteps. It's, it's a great need of our time for us to show this wonderful face of Islam, the Islam of the Prophet Muhammad, to all and sundry, to everyone. There are many within the Muslim Ummah and the community throughout the world, and many who are listening to this program who have not yet experienced this beauty and this spirituality of Islam. What is one specific recommendation or practice that you could share with them so they can begin to experience something of this more transcendent experience within Islam? I think the best way of experiencing this is to implement this, this value system in our own lives. To, uh, we, we want to be men and women of mercy. We want to be ambassadors of rahmah, of mercy. Then implement it in our own lives. Be merciful to ourselves. This is a starting point. Uh, we need to treat ourselves well uh, in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to the Prophet And then move out in, in concentric circles. Uh, the people who are nearest us, our spouse, our parents, our children, our brothers, our sisters, our family members, be merciful to them. This is sometimes sadly lacking in many Muslim homes. Uh, we need to repair this situation. We need to uh, let our homes be an abode of rahmah, an abode of mercy uh, in the way we treat our family members, our children, our parents, our spouses, and so on. And, and thirdly, the next concentric circle, uh, our relatives and friends, be merciful to them. You know, we have to show this mercy, mercy display this mercy. Uh, and the more we do so, the more we are blessed with mercy from God Almighty. Uh, I, I, I think that there has to be a shift away from expecting others to be merciful. And we must do it ourselves. This is what I want to advise our viewers. You know, there's this great tradition uh, in the the uh, conveying or transmission of knowledge in Islam. When a, when a sheikh would take on a student uh, to teach them Islam, to transmit that knowledge of Islam, and that tradition is that the sheikh would convey to them as the first hadith by Isnad, the hadith of rahmah or the hadith of mercy. This famous great hadith of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, related by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn, Am, ibn al As, the hadith of Rahmah, al Musalsal bil Awaliyya. And it demonstrates for us the important uh, priority, the important position of mercy 
in the life of the believer. So the, the sheikh uh, gives his student this uh, isnad of the hadith of Rahmah. Teach him this is the first hadith of isnad, by isnad that he gives to the student. Uh, and the hadith of Rahmah says, Ar-Rahimuna yarhamuhum ar-Rahmanu tabaraka wa ta'ala irhamu man fil ard yarhamukum man fil sama. Those who are merciful will receive mercy from God Almighty. Therefore, be merciful to those who are on this earth. So he who is in heavens will be merciful to you. So this is the, the great instruction from the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi to be merciful. Now this is the first hadith that's given by the Shaykh to the student when they start off this journey of knowledge, when a student goes to the Shaykh and requests the Shaykh to teach them. Uh, it's not the hadith of Niyya or any of the other important hadith. It is the hadith of Rahmah because of its critical importance, because the relationship is based on Rahmah. The relationship of the student to the sheikh is based on Rahmah. The relationship of the sheikh to the student is based on Rahmah. The, the, the future actions of the sheikh to teach students is based on Rahmah. The future actions of the student to teach others, the knowledge he's, he will acquire is based on Rahmah. Uh, this... Uh, amazing relationship of Rahman. So the hadith of Rahman is a first thing that's given. So the concept of Rahman is central to our practice of, of Islam that we must be mindful of and really, truly be ambassadors of mercy. MashaAllah, inshallah ta'ala. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? I know we're almost out of time, Sheikh Faisal, and I want to thank you for making the time for this interview. I know you have a very busy schedule on this trip to California. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we close with our listeners throughout the world? Well, I would, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for affording me this opportunity to share these reflections with uh, your listeners. May Allah subhanahu wa bless all of them. Um, I also uh, want to remind them of uh, being merciful to themselves and to others, um, and uh, to uh, to reiterate once again that the basis of all of this is Mahabbat Rasul, is the love of the Messenger of Allah, the love of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We need to open our hearts and fill it with mahabba of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I hope our listeners can commit themselves to doing this. Now, uh, the, the best way or one of the best ways of filling our hearts with mahabba for Rasulullah is to engage in reciting salawat, engage in reciting salawat uh, and, and dhikr. And so I want to leave the uh, listeners with this gift of dhikr, and which is to recite the Weird Al-Am dhikr uh, in the morning, in the evening, to recite a hundred times Astaghfirullah, and to recite a hundred times Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, and to recite a hundred times La ilaha illallah. So it contains the salawat and the other two important dhikr of istighfar and tahleel. And this is the way for us to fill our hearts with the mahabba of the Prophet ﷺ and the mahabba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the way 
that we'll be able to fill our life with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. This is a way that we'll be able to share this message of mercy with each and everyone that comes in contact with us in our life. This is my dua for all our listeners that we can all be men and women of rahmah, ambassadors of mercy. Uh, we can be men and women of dhikr to engage in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be from among those who will promote the Islam of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu to everyone in society. This is my dua for all of them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all of you. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in wa akhiri da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much. Jazakallah khairun, Shaykh Faisal. We appreciate your time and the energy you put into this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and grant you more power and light in all your travels and your da'wah and in this work of reviving our ummah. Thank you. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Soul of Islam Radio. It is our goal to educate and inspire and to help you continually develop your path and practice within the noble way of Al-Islam. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yet more importantly that you benefited and have gained something with which you can continue to advance in your religion. Here's what you can do next. Visit us at soulofislamradio.com where you can get access to exclusive resources to help you deepen your knowledge and understanding of Islam. At soulofislamradio.com, you can learn how to cultivate a real and relevant spiritual experience and how you can begin walking with increasing joy and happiness through Islamic spirituality. Also, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and leave us a review. This will help others find Soul of Islam Radio. And the few minutes you take to leave positive feedback could make the difference in someone else's life. Lastly, please share this resource with family and friends. You just might save someone's life. And there's nothing greater than to be the means through which a human being begins to discover the divine presence of God. Again, thank you for joining us and for committing to personal growth and spiritual awakening. Together, we can change our world and serve our Lord and Creator. This is Ihsan wishing you success, joy, happiness, and prosperity in both this life and the next to your divine and eternal success. Love.